coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada, streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Telegram, Twitter, Twitch, and the Prepper Broadcast Network. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim, and today is December 15th, 2022, and this is episode 220 of the Workshop Podcast. A couple of quick things. We won't be saying 2022 much longer. That's going to be to an end pretty soon. I'll be able to say my absolute favorite dad joke. See you next year, but we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> and if you noticed, the opening is a little bit different. We've changed things up a little bit. No longer streaming on float for the time being till they get their shit together, whatever you want to call it. But we are now streaming on Twitter and on Rumble. So welcome. We did really well on the Rumble I would say we picked up 20% of all the streams on Rumble last week, so that was great. Hey, we got uh, Byron Roberts over on Facebook. I got Renegade Butcher on YouTube. We are live in the Telegram group. Hey, Pipin, how are you tonight? So uh, let's get some announcements out of the way. We are going to talk about the mason jar tonight. So we are back with another installment of our empty container series. Always enjoy coming on and chatting with you. First things first, Thursday night. Show off my SOE, Special Operations Equipment t-shirt, Prepared, Not Scared, by Special Operations Equipment from John Willis. Love the shirts that he sends me all the time. Uh, you can pick any and all of that stuff up at OriginalSOEgear.com. Number two, our first and foremost sponsor every Thursday, Joel from the Protection Dog Podcast and Fortress Canine, and a good friend, a guy I consider a brother. If you're looking to be motivated, if you're looking to have a verbal ass kicking, then you need to follow him on all the places. That man is everywhere and all the places. He's really good at motivating you, but he will not sugarcoat it. Uh, Joel is a guy who has rebuilt his life from the ashes and is doing better than he ever did. So FortressK9.com. Now you might say, protection dog podcast? I don't need a protection dog. That's just a small portion of what Joel talks about. Mainly and mostly, it's about getting the most out of your life on a daily basis and pursuing and finding the goals you need. And hey, Utah Mike over on YouTube, good to have you. Finally, a schedule for Christmas. So, of course, we have the holidays coming up. Figured I'd get that out of the way. If you're in the Telegram group, I pinned it a little earlier. But uh, just a couple changes, not too crazy. Uh, Saturday, this Saturday, I'm going to have Aiden Tate from The Last American on. I was on his show last week. Sunday is going to be a fun one. I got Nate from the Two Chicks Homestead, a good friend of mine. He's going to come on and we're going to chat about the history of ham radio. And if there's anything you know, anytime we do a history show, it's a lot of fun and enjoyable around here. So uh, then we're going to do uh, Thursday and Friday live next week. Then there'll be no show over the weekend. So no Saturday or Sunday because that's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Then Thursday, Friday of New Year's, then New Year's Eve, nothing. And then Sunday, January 1st, I have Jake Drum from Drum Emergency Solutions coming on. I met him at Prepper Camp. So I hope you held on to all that. But that's basically to say there'll be no live stream Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or New Year's Eve, obviously. That should go without saying. But I wanted to make sure you guys knew. And I'm throwing in an extra Friday live stream on the 23rd because... I just think we'll have a little bit of fun. Haven't decided exactly what we're going to do yet, but it'll be good. Um, all right. And then uh, it is time. We haven't done a weekly workshop 
segment in a couple of weeks. I've been real busy. People seem to enjoy finding out about what I've been up to in the business, in the life, in the other businesses. So there's a lot on the go. I just forgot to add something to this. So we'll just put this in here. But yeah, we, uh, okay, first things first. At the daycare, we've got a lot of projects on the go. Always a lot of fun. And uh, hey, Chicken Hawk Farmstead, good to have you, brother. First thing I did this week, I went in there and I hauled out the wall in the old pastor study upstairs, getting it ready for the plumbers to come in. That was a big step. Turned out that I, sometimes you wonder what goes through people's brains, and I don't know, but they put a raised floor in that study. It only had an eight foot ceiling, which meant every time I stepped through the door, I would, of course, because I'm stupid, hit my head on the door frame. And I could not for the life of me figure out why they had a raised floor in the office, but with a standard door on the outside. So the door closed up against a raised floor. I thought, well, they must be hiding something or there's no floor below it. I don't know. The electrician drilled through and he said, nope, there's no floor under there. So I took his word for it. The plumber shows up. They start drilling and they said, hey, this false floor, uh, there's no reason for it. So we hauled it out, which means now I don't need a wheelchair ramp to go into the bathroom. That sounds funny. But that's a huge time saving for me not having to build one, right? So, And uh, Renegade said must have nothing going through their head. That's the true story right there, guys. Got the dryer installed. I got to test out the new drill that I got sent. That thing is powerful enough that it uh, it's a DCK drill. It's kind of a funny name, but I was able to use a four, four and three eighths or four and a quarter hole saw to drill through the old clapboard on the church where the um, dryer vent's going through. That's hooked up. Washing machine's hooked up. Something I was going to mention, if you guys have never seen it, traditionally, most washing machines always came with the rubber hoses on the back. Well, there's an upgrade you can get now that are like braided metal hoses that look just like your uh, kitchen sink or your uh, toilet kind of hoses. They're really nice. They'll last forever. And the other thing is most washing machines, when you buy a new one now, they don't come with those uh, hoses anymore. So yeah, you got to go buy them separate. But I picked up a set of the braided metal ones and they seem like a pretty good upgrade for me. Now, also, we went downstairs this week, and I had to cut out the kit, the kitchen cabinets, kitchen countertops. We got the the, the women have a full powered 220 volt electric stove in the basement now, which is huge. Which means we don't have to have, you know, six different countertop appliances in order to make lunch for the kids anymore. So that was a big step. All this is so much fun. I hope you guys enjoy hearing about the, the women's success as much as I like talking about it, because all these little things are things we've been working toward for the better part of two years now. Um, reinstalled. Oh boy, guys, I got to tell you. First off, if you ever need 16 by 16 staple up ceiling tiles, from what I can tell, they don't exist anymore. They haven't been made mm -hmm. since the late nineties. So I had to save, I had the women save me every tile they could that the electrician so delicately hauled down off the ceiling. <laughs> so I put them all back today and I'm three short, which means, well, I really don't know what it means yet, but it's hiding a set of heat vents. So I think we're going to do painted paneling or something like that. Anyway, they never go up. Once you take down staple up tiles once, they never go up great. But you can use a little bit of drywall mud and some paint to touch them up. So that's where we're heading. Pain in the ass, but it's doable. And then I found a brand new box of 12 by 12s up in storage, which was great. 
And then I, I opened up the box and half the first stack had about a one inch hole dro drove right through it. Something at some point ended it up. So Renegade, can you get two foot? So Renegade Butcher says buy 24 by 24 uh, sealant tiles. Now these are the staple up ones, not the drop sealant tiles. I haven't been able to find anything bigger than a 12 by 12, but I will try. I will definitely, because I would love to have bigger tiles. <laughs> this church, I got to tell you, four different st styles, four different sizes of heat registers, diffusers, whatever you want to call them. Three different styles of sealant tiles, 12 by 12, 16 by 16. And the craziest one I've ever seen, a 16 by 48 inch staple up tile. They used it for the round corners up in the ceiling. So anyway, oh boy, something else. But on the uh, plus note, I ended up climbing underneath the uh, front stage, you know, where the preacher used to preach up top and found a massive maglite flashlight under there that was left behind by an old electrical company that doesn't even exist anymore. So that was a fun find. On top of that, the plumbers came. They got all the plumbing roughed in, which is incredible. So now I have um, three flanges for toilets, three three water supply lines for toilets, and then we have three different sinks all roughed in, plus the washing machine roughed in. So now the women have a washer and a dryer at the daycare, which is great. Next thing's next. This is... Um, the Lots Project. My buddy Brian, uh, I think he just broke 900 subs today or yesterday or something, and we're on the push to get him to 1,000. He wants to do some giveaways, so I'm trying to get the word out there as best you can. So if you're listening audio, I threw the link to the YouTube channel in the description tonight. So do me a favor and give him a subscribe. Him and his wife, Corey, are living the life that they wanted to. They're living in an RV full-time, traveling around as they want getting ready to start some businesses. So give them some support. Uh, been testing some new tools, guys, this week. It's been a lot of fun. The DCK drill and a really cool green laser level that uh, shoots three lasers out in three different directions for, you know, getting plumb and level and getting your pictures all in the line. So some neat things been coming this way. It's been a busy week in the workshop. I was on Aiden Tate's Last American last Thursday night. Robin Holstein on the Holstein House podcast, and Monday night, I believe it was, I was on the Cold War Preppers Live on his YouTube channel. So make sure you support all those guys because um, they are just good people all around. I've started, check this out. Um, thanks to my buddy, Chris Dixon, who suggested I do this. I'm wearing a flashlight on my neck knife now. This is a Polysteel from Coast, 100 lumens. I'm going to try this one and a Streamlight for a week apiece, see which one I like. You guys will see the results down the road. Ah, hey, Jessica and Joseph, we have you here. Great, great, great. Um, What else? Oh, wood stove. Haha, I got the cap assembled, burned off all the galvanized pipe. Tomorrow, I hope to finally have it 100% installed. It's been a bit of a, a trial and tribulation, let's put it that way, because there's been a lot... Of pieces I couldn't get to the point where I had to settle for galvanized pipe. And before anybody says anything, make sure if you're going to use galvanized pipe for wood stove, make sure you take it outside and heat it up really hot to burn the galvanized off it so you don't make yourself sick. Uh, very important. So there you go. And finally, um, I know we've been talking a lot about some different purchases lately, but we just signed 
So if you guys heard about a year ago, I'd mentioned Becky and I were looking at a couple of rental properties here in town. We ended up deciding the deal wasn't for us, so we decided to push it off. And the people came back to us, um, what, I don't know, about a month ago, and give us a deal that was so goddamn sweet that we couldn't turn it down. Like, I mean, dirt cheap, basically giving us one property, and the other one was for well below market value. So the idea is, uh, we signed the paperwork last night, one's a trailer and one's uh, a two-unit house. We're going to fix up the trailer, flip it, not literally, but sell it, and... If it goes the way I expect it to, that will more than pay off both properties. So we'll basically get a two unit rental for, you know, some sweat equity. So I'm pretty excited. Do they need work? Absolutely. Are they perfect? Oh, hell no. But guys, this is how we do it. We take these steps. We take some small risks. We start small and work our way up. So just remember that. Um, that's what Becky and I have been working toward like crazy. This is pretty exciting. And yeah, so there you go, guys. Um, that's been this week in the workshop. So the empty container series, it's been popular, very popular. People love it. We've done, what have we done so far? Five-gallon buckets, milk crates, and IBC totes. And uh, Renegade Butcher says, literally flipping a trailer would make great TikTok content. It would, but I probably wouldn't make my money back if I did that. So one of those things, hey? So we got accessories for mason jars, alternative uses for mason jars, and of course, my favorite, the history of mason jars. And it's, you might say, holy shit, the history, really, Tim, of mason jars? Well, I got to tell you, any and all of these Everyday items that we just take for granted as preppers, homesteaders, anything like that. There's always something that you learn when you start digging into it. And I learned a ton of stuff when I started putting the notes together for this show. So first things first, let's go through. I always, one of my favorite things to do whenever I start one of these episodes is I take a bunch of time, research Pinterest and Amazon and different things. And, and um, what I end up doing is finding some cool accessories or some out of the ordinary uses for these. So let's dive into them. Hey, Nina over on Facebook says, I have the red book on old mason jars right there with you. Awesome. I appreciate it. Cool. So let's have our first sip of the old fashioned of the evening. There we are, guys. Oh, that is old fashioned delicious. So first thing I found, and I thought it was kind of cool. They make cozies now for wide mouth mason jars. So if you want to be a rummy and drink out of your mason jar, or you want to be like Julian on the Trailer Park Boys and always have a rum and coke with you, but you drink rather slowly, then get yourself a cozy, slide it up around that wide mouth mason jar, and sip till your heart's content without your drink ending up uh, going flat or warm. Next was pretty cool. I, I don't know if I've ever seen someone use one of these, so if you have... Let me know. <laughs> Do you remember the old-fashioned juicers? They were just kind of like a, I don't know, like a little butter dish with kind of like a, not a triangle, but like a, a cone on top with some kind of serrations, and you just turn the orange. I'd never seen anybody use it, but you can buy one of those that fits directly onto a mason jar and then has holes in it so that the juice drips right down into the mason jar. So no muss, no fuss. I thought that was kind of cool. Now, honestly, my absolute favorite mason jar accessory they're kind of expensive. They're made by Bernardin, but they are just the standard plastic screw-on lids. 
because, oh, Nina has one. Oh, I'm glad you're here, Nina. Appreciate all your input. I love, they're a dark gray. They're made out of kind of a flexible plastic so they don't get, um, you know, brittle and break. But they just screw on and they let me use my mason jars for anything. Uh, you know, I made some, was it a homemade, homemade ranch powder to make like a quick ranch dressing, that sort of thing. Put it all in a mason jar and it's great. Just screw that lid on, leave it there, wash it out when you're done. But do yourself a favor and buy the brand name, the Benardin or whichever one they are, because there's some knockoff ones on Amazon that are absolute junk. I tried printing some, 3D printing them when I still had my 3D printer. Didn't have a whole lot of luck with them either. They would either strip or they wouldn't fit properly. But these ones from Bernardin, they work great. Um, another one is a flip top. Um, I don't know what you want to call it, like a, a mouth pour lid or something. Plastic screw down. Has a place where you could put like um, a half inch or three, three eighths inch straw down through it. And it just flip it up. So my son's been big into these Gatorade power shot something i don't know overpriced junk if you ask me but totally fine <laughs> to each our own right so it would work really good in there if you put one of those shaker balls in it to kind of break up the powder but it was nice um one i saw that i don't know some of these are less or more pointless than others of course but this was a screen insert so you put it on top of the mason jar you screw it down and then it has a bunch of kind of meshy little pockets in it that allow you to put um flowers in it. So the big thing, I don't know if you guys have ever found this, but if you try to put uh, flowers in a mason jar, they all kind of shift to one side and they want to fall over. So what this does is it keeps all the flowers individually aligned. So you can put like a dry flower arrangement in there too, but it keeps them from shifting to one side and flipping over. Um, Byron says the ball brand plastic lids with a seal work great too. Uh, perfect. That's good to know. And Nina says, uh, I'm a jar junkie. Many an argument with my husband if I really need more. It's kind of like me going to Home Depot. Do I really need to buy another DeWalt tool? No, I don't. I promise, but it's okay. Uh, vacuum sealer attachment. They're nice. They they screw on. They have a little kind of one-way valve on them, and you can pump the, <laughs> pump the vacuum sealer, and it ends up sucking all the air out, and it just helps dry storage last a lot longer. And, um, oh, uh, Renegade Butcher says, I know some guys who decarb their flowers in mason jars. I'm wondering, are we talking about uh, special flowers? Because I'm thinking we probably are, but absolutely. Mason jars are great because uh, they're airtight, watertight, and uh, scent isn't going to get outside of the mason jar. Um, soap pump dispenser. I thought this one was really cool. Actually, there's an entire kit I found on Amazon that you can use for bathroom accessories. But this one screws on, and you can just put your bulk, whatever kind of soap, homemade liquid soap, or if you just buy like a big a big container on Amazon, dump it in there, and then you can use it like a regular soap pump. And then it's super easy to clean out. And uh, Renegade says, aren't all flowers special? Only when I give them to my wife. The next one was one of the neater ones I come up with, and it was an all-in-one salt and pepper shaker. So if anybody's ever gone to uh, Subway, they have a, a salt and pepper shaker where they just mix the salt and pepper together, I assume. At least that's how it works. This one was kind of cool. It, on the top, it looks like a spice. How do you want to put it? You know when you um, can kind of slide like a steak spice thing and it'll either be a shake or a pour side? Well, that's what it looks like. But one side, uh, so the outside is all salt, and then the inside is pepper. And depending on which way you turn it, you're able to dump it out. And they're both stored inside the same wide mouth mason jar. Pretty interesting. 
Uh, one, another one was a, a single wire caddy for hanging jars. So if you wanted to make like outdoor hanging lanterns or something like that, it's a, a wire mesh holding thing, almost like an old fashioned, uh, like a train lantern, that sort of thing. Uh, Pipin says, um, use two screws, drill them to the bottom of a shelf, store stuff. Yes, absolutely. That is um, one of the things my dad always used to do with the old jam and cheese whiz jars. They work really good that way too. Uh, spray bottles for cleaner. Hadn't seen this before. Years ago, we used to make a really good cleaner out of vinegar, vinegar, water, and orange peeling, and it worked great. But the problem was, is you never really had things to hold it in or to spray it with. So uh, it's a spray bottle top that just screws onto a mason jar. Again, this one was neat. I'd never seen these before, but they're crack key lids, and they were actually listed as crack key. So for those of you out there that aren't familiar with crack key, it's basically a closed system with no, no electricity built in that allows your um, plants to grow in a, I guess you'd call it an air, not an airless environment, but so as you put the nutrients in the water and it's kind of like, uh, is it hydroponics? I think that's the right term. You have a grow medium up here, you put your seeds in it and the roots chase the water and the nutrients down. And as they do, they, the roots kind of finger out. It's a really neat thing. Anyway, these were made to fit on a mason jar so that they'll hold the little crack key cup. So I like that. Uh, this one was a filter that slides down into a wide mouth mason jar for making cold brew coffee. And oh, Chris Dixon's here. Hello, brother. And he said, evening kids. <laughs> He's got the mason jar crack key lids. I hadn't seen them before. Pretty cool. And uh, Renegade said he used to screw them to the rafters in the basement in my old place. That's what my dad did. Uh, I want to say, actually, out in the, uh, I guess, the second oldest section of my dad's basement, I'm pretty sure there's still cheese whiz lids screwed to the floor joists in the basement where he stacks the wood over by the electrical panel. So uh, this one, um, this was kind of cool. I thought Alice would like this, my daughter, but it's a silicone insert cup. To hold the dressing above the salad. So what you can do is you take a big wide mouth mason jar, put all your salad in the bottom, and then there's a silicone cup that sits inside the lip. And then you can, uh, when you're ready, flip it over, dump it in, put the lid back on, and shake it up inside the mason jar. Um, the I don't even know quite what you would use these for, but growing up, mom always had these glass jars that had these push-in wood bamboo toppers. I don't know. They're easy to grab a hold of. And all they had was like a friction fit rubber grommet on them. And this, they make those to fit regular size mason jars and um, the uh, wide mouth as well. So that was kind of cool. And let's see. Um, oh, Renegade said uh, they didn't, didn't know they had uh, cold brew uh, filters and lids for mason jars. Next, fruit fly funnel. Say that five times fast. We'll talk about a homemade fruit fly trap that Becky makes every year, but this one was really neat. It goes in on the top, the um, compression ring goes around it, and then it's just basically like um, a fish wear, where, you know, it goes in, but it gets narrow at the bottom, and they can't come back out. Tatler reusable canning lids. Becky and I looked at them for years and never bought them. Now that we don't can quite as much as we used to, I don't really have as much of a need for them, but they're awesome. I just... I think they're cool. I don't know. There's something about, because of course, the one item on a mason jar that you throw away is that sealable lid, right? You know, the ring's reusable, the jar's reusable, but the lid is not. 
but those Tatler ones are. They're a two-piece plastic lid with a rubber or silicone seal, and they're supposed to be roughly infinitely reusable. Hey, Nate LeMaster, good to have you, sir. Next was um, chalk labels. So you can buy chalk labels to put on your mason jars so that you can just label them. I mean, I don't know. Mason jars are see-through, so you should be able to tell. But sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay, is that baking powder, baking soda, or cream of tartar? Well, I guess I'm going to taste it and find out. It all tastes like shit. So if I had a chalk label on the outside, I could probably label it and then erase it when I go to put it away because my big thumb hits it, right? <laughs> uh, fermenters. There's these little fermenter caps you can get for mason jars. that will let you do, like, I guess, what, small batches of... Um, I, I don't even know. You could put cabbage in there and make sauerkraut out of it. A whole bunch of different things, right? Um, another one was a lid with a hanging hook for decor. So this basically screwed on and had a lid around it. So you could put fake flowers, whatever, you know, the women like to make them happy. Uh, another cool one, for a while we were into overnight oats. So this was an overnight oats container that had a uh, kind of a special lid for it to go into the fridge. And then it had a spoon holder on the side. I think they were kind of stretching for that one just a little bit. A honey dipper. I've never personally owned a honey dipper. I don't even know if I know anybody that does, but they're always like those things that Winnie the Pooh likes, you know. It's got a stick with what looks like a honeycomb on the end, and it dips in. Well, this one is an all-silicone or all-plastic lid. It's all one piece. It screws down in, and then the honey dipper is part of it. So you lift it out, kind of dip it around, and then go from there. Uh, it was kind of a just an all-in-one little design. Um, now this one was kind of cool, a mushroom spawn cultivation lid, and it had like this little tiny 21 micron filter built into it. So basically it was for allowing mushroom spawn to grow before you're ready to, uh, I guess, put them in a dark place. But, uh, it was a very specialty style design, but it's on Amazon. Um, one that was cool for like a bigger wide mouth mason jar was a syrup pitcher pourer with handle. Say that five times. Kind of like something you'd see at Waffle House. Has a nice big heavy lid, flip up kind of handle. But again, what I like about this is you're buying a whole bunch of little accessories, but what you're not buying is a whole bunch of empty containers. So if you've got wide mouth or regular mouth mason jars kicking around, you just interchange them, flip from one to the next to the next, and you're basically buying smaller items so you're not buying a bunch of other stuff to throw away. Uh, spice shaker lid, pretty simple. Flips up like a, like a Parmesan cheese type lid. Um, oh, toothbrush and toothpaste holder. Now this one was, a, I wouldn't say a bit of a stretch, but it was interesting. Screw on top and it had a half side. So half a circle and then like three pie sections cut out. So you put your toothpaste on one side and then uh, <laughs> the most Canadian accessory. Yes, ma maple syrup pitcher holder. Uh, so this was, yeah, toothpaste and toothbrush holder. Uh, one that actually looked seriously useful was the mason jar sewing caddy. So basically what it was, of course, you use the mason jar itself to hold all your little sewing knickknacks. And then it comes up and it's kind of a rubber and it kind of fans out like a mushroom top. And all around the outside, you could put uh, sewing accessories in. And then the center was a pin cushion that you could stick all your pins in. That was on Amazon. And I, uh, <laughs> Nate says, yes, just missed it, brother. Wanted to know if we got to the cracky hydroponics yet. Yes, just before you came on. And uh, kind of neat. What else? Oh, a bird feeder. So this was neat. It was, um, well, there's a couple different ones. You could get one for um, hummingbird feeder. But the one I liked looked like a small 
chicken feeder. Now you, you know, you might be able to use it for baby chicks if you had like, you know, a half gallon or a two quart wide mouth one or whatever, but it basically flipped over and it had a bunch of individual feeding ports on it. So yeah, just flip it over, hang it upside down and Bob's your uncle. Uh, solar light tops. These were cool. So they basically just, here's your mason jar, screwed onto the top and what they had, so you didn't have to buy all the, the plastic to throw away. It just had like a puck that screwed on and then a bunch of little um, like wire, wire lights that hung down inside. They made a beautiful looking solar light. Uh, Nina said they did that when they had chicks, right on. And then the final one for accessories was a lamp socket and cord. So it basically, you guys know what a standard lamp socket looks like, a little pull chain or a slide switch. Well, the um, the cord comes right out the side so that you don't need to um, obviously have something running out the bottom of the glass, but you can pick whatever you want. What I saw was somebody put a collection of seashells they brought back from a vacation in a mason jar and then they turned it into a lamp. So something to look at. Uh, Martinson family says they they cure grass in mason jars. Um, yes, like Bermuda grass or, yeah, no, just kidding. <laughs> and uh, Nina says also let the kids make snow globes out of them for Christmas. I'm pretty sure I have that list uh, on here. Uh, do, yep, I do. Sneaking a, pick, a peek at my notes again tonight, Nina. Appreciate it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Okay, so I decided to throw five canning accessories in this. I know... This isn't a canning episode, but how can you talk about mason jars without canning at least a little bit? So the five that I picked out were five that are actually practical. Um, now, the first one is a food press for jelly, and um, it basically is in a funnel with a fine mesh on it. You could put cheesecloth in it, but it was really good for making jelly. So you put your berries in and then just kind of I always pressed them. People said, don't press your berries when you're making jelly because you'll get cloudy jelly. Well, I'm like, I don't care if it's cloudy. All I want is the most juice for, you know, the amount of berries I put in there. So there's something to think about. Renegade had a great idea here. He said, how about a survival kit in a jar? Wrap it in a hammock and a tarp in your bag. Waterproof container holds all your dry stuff and works as a container to cook or boil in. Nothing wrong with that, brother. I like that a lot. Um, Next, canning accessory, magnetic lid lifter. Those are great. They're just like a magnet on a pole if you're boiling your lids ahead of time like you should be. Uh, the last thing you want to do is reach into the hot water to pull them out. Trust me. <laughs> lifting tongs. Get yourself the best pair of lifting tongs you can get if you're working with mason jars and canning. They're great. They're worth their weight in gold, but cheap ones will break and bend. I had that happen to me on at least a couple of occasions. Then get yourself a funnel. Because otherwise you're going to end up with a whole bunch of shit on the jars. You're going to try to wipe them off. And then guess what? It's going to interfere with the seal of the lid. And you're going to be hooped. However, something I came across today for the first time. I've never seen it before. Everybody else is going to be like, guess what? I knew about this. I didn't. It's a no mess screw on canning funnel. Absolutely cool. So it works just like a canning funnel, but it has an inside and an outside. The outside is threaded to fit onto a wide or regular mason jar. And the inside is a totally enclosed funnel. So everything drops down in to get into your jar. And then you back it off and unscrew it so that you're not getting junk around the rim of the mason jar. Absolutely ingenious. I got to pick one up just to have it. Um, 
And Martinson fan, oh, I like this, ate canned moose meat in 1995 that was put up in 1978. Mason jar, time machine. <laughs> I love it. That reminds me of a story. Who wants to hear a story? So back in uh, my high school days, I used to volunteer with the youth group at the church. And we were going up in the attic to pull down the Christmas decorations. And when we pulled the Christmas decorations down, we found two cans. You know, they look like... Um, you know, like the quality street chocolates. We found two of those and I thought, oh, they must have put decorations in them. So the first one we opened up were homemade cranberry cookies that had been packed away the year before. And uh, yeah, they were absolutely full of mold and completely ruined. The second package was President's Choice from the Superstore store-bought cookies. You know, the cookies that are like a cookie cracker with chocolate on top. Well, those were sealed in plastic and probably full of formaldehyde and everything else. So you know what my ass did? Opened them up and ate half the cookies. A year-old package of cookies had been packed away with Christmas decorations. So I hope you appreciate that story because I was an idiot. <laughs> um, Nina says, my husband got me a great metal funnel that's also a removable strainer. Awesome. Very cool. Um, yes. Okay. So next, I picked uh, 13. Now, I had a hard time coming up with a list for this one. So if there's anything out there, if you guys have suggestions, I mean, I always want suggestions as we go along, but... This is for uses for mason jars. So something you can use just a bare mason jar for without adding any accessories to it. But the first one, and this is one that Becky does all the time, because a couple times a year we have infestations of fruit flies. Jar. She puts uh, a piece of fruit in the bottom. I think she adds a little bit of vinegar or some sugar. I can't remember what it is. And it works. Um, yeah, the simplest use is for me. Next, drinking glass. They, I use them all the time to drink out of. There's something about drinking out of, you know, nice thick glass that kind of holds the cold in. Plus, you get a little bit of condensation around the outside as you're drinking. Renegade says I've eaten stuff way older than that, and I'm still alive and probably not any more insane. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I shouldn't say I don't know that for sure. <laughs> um, now, some of you may know this. Some of you may not. I discovered this without finding it on the Internet. I was pretty proud of myself. But a damn mason jar fits into the base of almost every standard blender out there. So thank me later. You can come up with 100 different uses for it. I used it for grinding up. Uh, eggshells, uh, coffee, a bunch of different things. But it's really cool because you put it down, blend, 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 flip it over, unscrew the lid, and you don't have to transfer it at all. You're blending in the storage container. Next, save up all your old wax or buy a bunch of wax at, say, Dollar Tree or somewhere. Make yourself some homemade candles. Mason jar is perfect use for that. Then if you want to reuse the jar, just heat it up and get it, uh, you know, dump the last little bit out or keep adding to it. One I saw, I hadn't thought of before, but it was a, an oil lamp. So you put your burnable oil or, you know, your, your lightable oil down inside. You put a wick down through and then you puncture a small hole just in the top of the lid. Run your wick up through. You get yourself a poor man's oil lamp. Um, oh, Nate says quart wide mouth mason jar. Um Quart wide mouth jar in an SOE mason jar cozy is my go-to cup. I got to pick one of those up. I, I seen some cozies on Amazon today, but I don't have any SOE ones. I'll have to get one. 
Next was a small tissue dispenser. So if you get those tissues kind of in the little rolls that are like, uh, what do you want? I call them infinite. You know, they pull from the center and they just keep coming. They work really well in a larger wide mouth mason jar. Toothpick dispenser. Once again, take your mason jar, take your lid, puncture a whole bunch of holes in it, and then just dump it upside down and have a uh, toothpick come out. Uh, plant pot. They work great for small little decorative plants. These were uh, the ones I saw online today. A lot of people have little succulent, mini succulent gardens in there or small cactuses or cacti, depending on your preference. Homemade snow globe. So Nina, there's yours. The kids love snow globes. We used to get them when we travel, but it'd be a simple, easy way to put them on and make them permanent or change them up eventually. Maybe put a little hot glue or something in there so the kids can't get adventurous and open it up too easy. Uh, now this one was kind of a use for mason jars, the last two. Some mayo lids, it used to be most mayonnaise lids would fit mason jars to be reusable, especially the craft ones. They've changed some of them so they don't all work. You got to test them out. But the craft Parmesan cheese, you know, the ones that have like wood cellulose as a filler in them, those lids work great on mason jars as a impromptu shaker. So I thought that was really kind of cool. So the history of mason jars. Uh, Renegade says, buy old candles at thrift stores and melt them. That's the way to do it. Because you pay through the nose for candles nowadays. Even I was, well, actually I was in Dollar Tree a little while ago looking. They don't even barely sell any wax candles there anymore. They're probably too expensive to ship. All they have are like these hollow plastic candle lookalikes that have uh, like that flickering LED light bulb in them. They're okay, but can't melt them down and reuse them, can we? And, uh, oh. <laughs> so, Renegade Butcher, in all seriousness, says they are the perfect container for shipping farts for friends. It's a regular topic on the after party. Well, I want to say that um, there's a good chance you could probably make money at that because if you can make money selling pictures of your feet or all kinds of other things, I'll bet if you were a certain type of person, you probably could make money selling your farts on the internet. Now, Renegade, I really hope you use that as a uh, clip on Fountain because yeah, you know how it is. So does anybody ever wonder how mason jars got their name? Now, if you would guess that it was named after a gentleman with the last name of Mason, then you would be 100% correct. <laughs> But it's interesting. Poor Mason. Um, we're going to talk about um, how he was the man who invented or perfected, or at least was the first guy to put together uh, a patent for the mason jar. But in the end, he died penniless and broke without a patent. So let's talk a little bit about the history of mason jars. And, um, <laughs> oh boy, Nina said there's a lady who made a million dollars doing exactly what we talked about earlier. So before mason jars, uh, for the very short period of time before they had the screw top mason jars out there, home canning, when it, in its infancy, was basically a glass jar or some sort of crock. You'd put the food in it. You'd then cover it with um, wax, and then you would drive a cork stopper into the top of it. Um, you know, sometimes that's kind of something I want to do to somebody who's pissing me off, <laughs> you know, um, they're talking too much. So I'd like to pour wax down their throat and drive a cork stopper in there. But anyway, that is how they originally did it. So John Landis Mason, he was a New Jersey tinsmith and he also invented the very first salt shaker. I thought it was kind of cool. So 
get this, guys. This is kind of funny. But in 1858, he filed a patent for a screw top glass jar that was both air and water tight. However, guess what he didn't patent? He forgot or didn't bother to patent for about 10 years the lid and the screw ring. So he patented a glass jar with the threads on it, which was great. And that was called a mason jar. But he ran into a bunch of trouble because like, uh, you know, Night of the Living Dead, they forgot to patent it. And he forgot to patent the ring and the lid. So there's more to the story. His earliest mason jars were called Crowley Town Jars. They had that bubble glass look like old church windows do. You know, you look through it and it kind of looks watery and you can see bubbles in there and it wasn't perfectly smooth. So they had that. Some of them were colored, but that was the most, that was the original one. And his top was, um, it had like two little tips sticking up so you could kind of crank on it a little bit better. It was a, a rather interesting kind of uh, way of doing it. So anyway, he was pretty excited about it, but he didn't think about a rubber ring or a metal ring or uh, the lid or anything like that until 1868. So at this point, he goes to file a patent for it. The problem is that most of his competition had caught up or surpassed him and had decided, hey, guess what? We are going to uh, patent or so they didn't patent them, but they started making them as well because he didn't patent them. So then at that point, they kind of became common knowledge and he wasn't able to patent the ring or the lid, which kind of sucked. So he had a container without a cover. Everybody was using his uh, name, Mason. That's why Mason was on the jars because they were using his patent for the jars. But in 1878, his patent ran out. 20 years is what they give him for his patent. Now, there's going to be another name here who you guys will recognize. So that was Mason. So in 1878, the patent ran out and five brothers, all with the last name of Ball. So the Ball brothers <laughs> bought a company called the Wooden Jacket Can Company with a $200 loan from their uncle. So if you're wondering where Ball canning jars and lids came from, that's where this name came from. So now we know the Mason and we know the Ball name. Now, in 1880, a man named, last name Putnam, invented the flip-top glass lid jars, and they were called the lightning jars. They are uh, very highly sought after by collectors today. So, it's kind of interesting. Um, from there, here's another name you guys are going to recognize, but in 1903, Alexander Kerr, so you've seen the name Kerr on jars in the past, came out with an economy jar, so it was cheaper. Uh, basically, everybody out there, he was trying to you know, cater to the housewives, people on a budget, that sort of thing. But he came up with a new size, and that was the wide mouth mason jar. So his, the, um, Mr. Kerr, came up with a cheaper jar with a wider lid. So he was the one who came up with the idea of the wide mouth mason jar, which I thought was kind of cool. And then have you ever seen any of those old, ah, here we go, guys, blue ball mason jars? <laughs> so they had that kind of uh, opaque blue look to them. Well, they were actually made using sand from the Lake Michigan shoreline. So it got too expensive to continue to do it. So they stopped doing it in 1937. Really cool though. Uh, blue ball jars. Yeah, I know, right? So they started making them later on down the road, but it was a, a fake way of doing it compared to the original. And then of course, World War II came along and everybody was canning because the war efforts and 
uh, you know, them needing to ration everything. So people are like, well, we need to put up and can everything we can. And there was all kinds of cool slogans and that sort of thing, but it was viewed as, you know, the housewife's mission in life was to make sure that uh, things were canned up. Hey, Rachel Brown, good to have you. Always appreciate you dropping in even for just a minute. So let's slide back in history a little while, a little ways. So the earliest branded mason jars, some of the ones that are absolutely <laughs> um, the most sought after by collectors were brands like Black Magic, Hazel Atlas, Columbia, and Beaver. Of course, Beaver being a Canadian brand, right? All from the late 1800s. So like I said, by the time uh, Mason went to get his patent, he wasn't able to do it. He ended up losing out on that and he died basically penniless the actual mason company since they lost their patent went out of business and the name that we all use for jars uh, basically is like well we'll get into it a little bit more but the guy who invented it like it happens quite often ended up not seeing much of the money from it because he wasn't a really good um business person so in the 1920s Ball, mason jars, made a 42-ounce jar. Anybody know why 42-ounce jars might have been really popular in the 1920s? I'll give you guys just a minute to think about it, if anybody can come up with it. Um, yeah, I don't know. You'll be the winner for the evening. And uh, <laughs> Chris Dixon's being bad in the comments, so we'll leave that alone. Same with Renegade Butcher. I know it's hard to believe. But so in 1920s, Ball made a 42-ounce jar that was very popular with Byron. Ding, 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 bootleggers. So it would hold a full 40 ounces of alcohol and you could transport it in mason jars and oh, the popo, the FBI, whatever, would be none the wiser in theory. A little easier than Homer putting them in bowling balls, right? So as far as kind of the standardized, what we have today for mason jars, we have a jelly jar, which is four ounces. Then we have a half pint, a pint, a quart, and... According to, you know, some of the more well-to-do mason jar websites out there, apparently there's a three-quarter pint jar as well. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen those. I haven't run into them myself, but apparently they're popular enough to warrant their own section on the mason jar website. Then when you go to wide-mouth mason jars, they start just a little bigger, half pint, pint, pint and a half, quart, and a half gallon. I always love the half gallons. They just seem to start showing up, I don't know, in the last five or six years around here anyway, but um, not really designed for canning in because the idea with canning is the heat has to um, penetrate the entire container. So with those half gallon ones, it would be really hard for the heat to, you know, penetrate into the center of the half gallon jar. So we have uh, regular mason jars are two and three quarter inch diameter, which is 70 millimeters. So that's how they're listed up here in Canada, obviously. Wide mouth mason jars are three and three eighths inches, 86 millimeters. I learned something new today when I was researching for this episode. Canadian and American mason jars are different sizes. Now, before you get carried away, the lids aren't. When I read that first, I thought, well, shit, I had no idea. That means my lids won't fit? No. So basically what it is, is your American jar is a pint. And your Canadian jar is 500 milliliters. So there's about two tablespoons worth of difference in the capacity of the jar. The rims, the lids, they're all the same. But 
Nowadays, we are basically at the point where we only have two. We have the regular and we have the wide mouth mason jars. In the past, there was two other oddball mason jar lid sizes. Now, if uh, anybody else out there remembers any of them, uh, you can throw them up in the comments. The one I'm going to list first is the one I had never heard of before, and it was called a small mouth mason jar or small mouth mason lid, whatever you want to call it, 63 millimeters. And uh, it was 10% uh, narrower than a regular standard mason jar. I've never seen one, but they said they were used for sample jars and giveaway jars and that sort of thing. But back about 15 years ago at Home Hardware when I was working there, on our clearance rack, I found some lids. And I bought them thinking I could use them. I took them home and on the package it said GEM, G-E-M, mason jars or mason lids. And I took them out. Uh, Nina says she has some of them. So kind of interesting. I hadn't seen them before. I couldn't use them because here's why. Gem mason jars haven't been made since the mid-60s. And they were just, the lids themselves were finally discontinued this year in 2022. But they were halfway between, exactly halfway between regular and wide mouth mason jars. Um, they were 78 millimeters in width. Kind of interesting. So I guess there wasn't a need for an in-between size. So eventually it passed out of favor because if you follow me, you know, hey, I really like standardization. And I think a lot of people do. Nobody really wanted three or four mason jar lid sizes around, but they could handle two. So that's where we ended up. But yeah, so they haven't made those jars since the mid 60s. I thought that was kind of cool. Now, here is a fact that I came across when putting this show together. Maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't. I'd always heard people say that you could freeze in mason jars. However, I've also seen mason jars split in a freezer. So this was from, uh, I think it was Bernardin or whatever the company was. On their website, it said, if a mason jar has straight sides, it's 100% safe for freezing. If it has tapered sides, like this standard uh, pint mason jar here, it's not because as it expands, it's going to push out against those tapered shoulders. So if you have a straight mason jar all the way up, safe for freezing. If you have a tapered sides, not safe for freezing. So I hope somebody learned something from that. So now here's the thing. If you guys happen to notice, you know, all your main mason jar brands out there. What do we have? We have, let's slide down here. We have got uh, Bernardin, Golden Harvest, Kerr, Jardin, and Ball. Well, guess what? And you probably know this already. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. All those brands are owned by a single company. The parent company who also owns Rubbermaid, which I thought was kind of interesting, and Food Saver, which I didn't know. Now, of course, it didn't start that way. You go back to the, the mid-1800s and uh, Mr. Mason, well, you know, lost his shit and lost his money. So let's go through this real quick. I thought it was kind of interesting, and I always love looking at the history of how this stuff comes together. But the Bernardin Company. Now, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with Bernardin in the States, but it is one of the big canning companies in Canada. But it was originally founded in Evansville, Indiana, in 1881, but they were a beer and wine company. They um, invented the flip-off type of uh, beer and wine caps, or beer and pop caps, sorry, 
And they also invented the flip up champagne holder, which I thought was really cool. Like Nina says, crazy, they're all priced differently too. I know, makes no sense, right? So the Bernard and Company, uh, they were um, basically, they started out as a beer and wine company in 1881. In 1922, or a little before, they transitioned from pop and alcohol to canning and eventually moved their offices to Canada. So that's where the Bernard and Company came in. We'll come back to them in a minute. Now, today's biggest player, whatever you want to call it, the the, the, the big daddy in the canning company is called the Newell Company, N-E-W-E-L-L. They started out in 1903 as a curtain rod manufacturer. It's kind of funny how all these companies start one way and end up in a totally different place. Like I said, they started as a curtain rod manufacturer in 1903, and today they own Rubbermaid. So there you go. In 2015, they bought Jardin, which is a brand that you may or may not know, but I'd seen it a few times in Canada. Jardin was the company who bought the ball brand. They owned ball jars, so they got that from them. They also, at the same time, picked up Food Saver and something I just had to throw in there, but the Rawlings Baseball Company. Kind of interesting. Uh, back in 1994, they bought Bernardin, which also owned Golden Harvest uh, mason jars. So if you ever see those less expensive Golden Harvest jars that you see at Walmart, they were also owned by Bernardin which is now also owned by the company that owns Ball Jars. <laughs> in 1996, Kerr Canning Supplies, the other brand that we all know and love, or used to, Kerr Canning Supplies, acquired by Newell, 1996. So today, Newell, the big company, owns Ball. They own Bernardin. They own Golden Harvest. They own Kerr, and they own Jardin. Every single brand that you would recognize or see on any big box or hardware store shelves are owned by the same company. Interesting, hey? That's kind of how it works. So, like I said, with the original mason jar inventor, John Landis Mason, he let his patent expire, and uh, then he was stupid enough not to patent the screw tops or the lids. So he lost the rights, basically making mason jar what is called... Here we go. A proprietary eponym, which is a really fancy way to say a generic trademark. So that is like the word Kleenex, the word Q-tip, the word bubble wrap, and the word Xerox. They are brands that people use interchangeably to represent the product. You rarely say, you know, pass me uh, nasal tissue or pass me a cotton swab or pass me some inflatable uh, protection wrapping. You use all those, and you know, I guess Xerox has kind of gone out of fashion, but for a lot of time, people would say, hey, can you go Xerox me something? That's where the brand um, becomes generic and is allowed to be used sparingly. You still can't go and trademark the name as another company, but that's kind of what happened with the mason jar. That's why they end up calling all of the mason jars because of how it started in, you know, the beginning. The name Mason, unfortunately, that we attribute to the man who invented the Mason jar in 1858, ended up losing the patent and died penniless. So it kind of sucks. <laughs> so one final thought about Mason jars, guys. So I went down one more rabbit hole just for you and for me as well. But I thought if a person wants to buy Mason jars today that aren't made by the ball company, or by Newell, who owns all the places, where do you go? Well, in doing some research, back in 2011, a new company came out. 
They tried to compete and they went out of business. So there's that. Now, Walmart has some generic brands that aren't Golden Harvest and a bunch of other things. They are just made by the cheapest manufacturer that they can outsource to at any given point. Uh, from what I read online, really not recommended to pick them up. So there's that. But not all hope is lost. Some canning aficionados on the internet really like a company called uh, Fillmore Containers. So you can check them out at fillmorecontainer.com. It's F-I-L-L-M-O-R-E container.com. And they have, from what I understand, the best alternative mason jars on the market. So you can check out that website. They've got a ton of different mason jar accessories too, which I thought were kind of cool. But when it came down to it, it was just really nice to have an alternative to your standard, you know, it's like anything, you know, it's like social media when Google owns everything or, you know, however you want to put it. Sometimes you like an alternative or a different option. So with this, Fillmore Containers, I thought it would be kind of cool. Yeah, so that's what, exactly. Nate says, be careful of knockoffs. They explode in the canner more frequently. Yes, so that is the, the generic Walmart ones I would stay away from. But these ones from Fillmore, all the reviews I read online, people were super happy with them. They said they may be even a little thicker than a standard mason jar. And they have all the sizes and a ton of accessories to go with it. So it's cool to have an alternative out there. And of course, um, one more final thing when I was reading, they said that supply chain issues with mason jars had finally kind of slowed down. But of course, during all the fun we had from March 2020 on, when everybody decided, hey, I'm not going to leave the house because COVID, Everybody wanted to buy mason jars and you couldn't get them and there was a huge waiting list. Well, finally this year they said it looks like things are fairly back to normal. So I thought that was kind of cool. I had this idea that I may end up taking the history section out of this and uh, turn around and make maybe, I don't know, a couple of TikTok videos out of it. I, I'm not sure, but I'll put it together with some uh, clips and some pictures and that sort of thing because I find the history behind everyday items that we take for that we take for granted in our everyday life. I find it intriguing because we don't know the story. It's just like finding the story behind a common saying that everybody says, but nobody knows what the hell it actually means. So I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. I hope you guys enjoyed this kind of trip down History Boulevard when it came to mason jars, and I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, Nina says they also have, uh, Fillmore also has lots of off-size lids. Uh, and I do believe I did see that while I was putting uh, the, the last finishing touches on this episode. So if you guys have suggestions for other empty containers we can do, I'm trying to do an empty container episode once a month because everybody seems to really like them. They take a little more research and I don't mind because I always learn something when I put them together. But I do have some. We're going to do two liter pop bottles. Um maybe empty cans. I got three or four more on the list yet. So if you guys have any other suggestions for me, I'd love to hear it. Um, from here, where do we go? Uh, so Saturday night, we are going to have Aiden Tate from The Last American. He's going to be coming on. going to be nice to kind of exchange. Um, you know, I was on his show. And he's coming back on my show. So that'll be a lot of fun. And of course, uh, Brother Nate, who's in here tonight, is going to be coming on and we're going to talk all about ham radio. And if you guys follow us on Fireside Freedom, every time we mention ham radio, we have to take a drink. So by the end of this episode, by the end of Sunday evening episode, Nate and I should work our way through 
an entire bottle of bourbon. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chris Dixon, you are right, my friend. He says, I should do one on plastic grocery bags since they are becoming a lost thing. Oh, so you guys know Tim Hortons is a Canadian establishment up here. You know, it's in theory, a Canadian way of life. Well, I seen a lady on TikTok this morning. She said, Tim Hortons, you can do better. They made a goddamn paper lid for a coffee cup. And she said it just completely ruined the mouthfeel and enjoyment out of a coffee. I couldn't even imagine. I seen it and like her lipstick had come off and just kind of soaked right into the cardboard. It was just wretched. And I can't imagine. I hate paper straws with a passion to the point where I bought a stainless steel one that I've been using. I've been, sorry, haven't used it yet, but I've been taking it around with me on, on my neck with my neck knife and my flashlight. So I don't know. I, I'm old enough to remember when they switched from paper to plastic to save the trees. And now apparently fuck the trees, right? So there we are. Uh, yeah. And you are right. Martinson family, Tim's coffee tastes like, let's see. Tim Horton's coffee tastes like if you saved your coffee grinds from the coffee you really liked, lit them on fire, put them out with a fire extinguisher, and then drank the liquid that came off that. That's what Tim Horton's coffee tastes like. It tastes like acid in your mouth, and I don't enjoy it. So I don't buy coffee from them. It No, and it's okay, Martinson family. I agree. If I had to take a cup of coffee from a fast food place, it would be McDonald's. I enjoy I enjoy their coffee, or at least I hate it less than any of the other ones. So there's that. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, oh, and yes, Martinson said sorry. Yeah, absolutely. We always have to apologize because we're freaking Canadian. So so that's it for me this evening, guys. This was a, I love this episode. This was too much fun. Like I said, we got Saturday, Sunday coming up this week. There'll be a pre-recorded episode tomorrow. And then we have Thursday and Friday next week. And then there'll be no content for Saturday and Sunday, uh, because that's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Chris Dixon says McDonald's coffee is the old Tim Hortons coffee, and that makes sense, because the old Tim Hortons coffee was pretty good. And a shout out to my incredible brother-in-law, Barrett Bishop. Uh, I, I talk about all of the entrepreneurs in our family, but I am proud as hell of that man, because he has built himself an incredible mechanic business, and he's just out there kicking ass and taking names. So good to have you in here again, brother. That's it for me this evening, guys. As always, you know the routine. Stay happy, stay healthy. Let's mix it up a little and say Merry Christmas.